from WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. On today's show, we'll spend some time getting to know the new French Consul General in New Orleans. We know groceries are expensive, but there's a new app that compares grocery sale ads to save you money. But first, it's Thursday. And that means it's time to catch up on politics with the Times Picky and the Advocates editorial director and columnist, Stephanie Grace. Steph, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. The special legislative session on crimes underway at the Capitol in Baton Rouge. Uh, what kinds of things are on the agenda? An awful lot. It's a very crowded agenda. Uh, you'll remember that fighting crime was really the major theme of Governor Jeff Landry's campaign. And because this is a special session, he gets to dictate the topics that can be addressed. Mm-hmm. And boy, did he, (laughs) I got to say, there are proposals to roll back the 2017 criminal justice reforms by severely limiting parole and early release for good time of people who are incarcerated, mostly for nonviolent offenses. There are proposals to get Louisiana to start applying the death penalty again. Um, It's on the books here, but nobody's been executed for over a decade. And the bills include things like expanding the options to methods of executing people to include nitrogen gas, for example, which was recently used in Alabama to kind of very controversial effect, criminalizing, disclosing the source of drugs for executions, things like that. Mm -hmm. He also wants to process more young offenders um, and young offenders accused of more crimes through the adult system. And, you know, there's also a proposal, yet another one, to allow what supporters call constitutional carry, which is basically the right to carry a handgun without a permit or training. Um, It's been adopted in a lot of other conservative states. And this bill actually has passed through the legislature before, but Governor John Bell Edwards vetoed it. Landry says he'll sign it. Does it look like Landry could get a lot of what he wants in this crime session? Well, you know, at the moment it does, because these bills are moving very quickly through the process. Um, that's, a spe- that's a feature, not a bug, of special sessions. It mm-hmm. gives proponents an advantage because they um, things move quickly and the opposition doesn't really get a lot of time to organize itself. And there's actually been pushback about how one committee is handling its affairs. Uh, Debbie Villiu of Kenner is the chair of this committee, and she's the author of some of the bills in question. And critics are saying she's not allowing sufficient time for opponents to speak. Hmm. Um, But remember, this is a very, very conservative legislature with Republican supermajorities in both houses. So, you know, the deck is pretty much stacked in favor of a lot of these bills. Um, But on the other hand, criminal justice reform had widespread support from Republicans, you know, not that long ago and still does in some cases. And there are some major groups like the Public Affairs Research Council and uh, cable who are making the case that it's working, that the prison population is down and um, nonviolent offenders who can lead productive lives are are doing so. And they're urging lawmakers to follow the data rather than their emotions or political pressure. And, and there's been money savings. Since there's been the money reforms. savings, too. And it, you know, very well timed, I think, or carefully timed report by the legislative auditor came out this week that said the state had saved $152 million since, uh, you know, specifically from these package of bills from 2017, and also that the former inmates who've been released don't have a higher than average recidivism rate. And, you know, it kind of goes against some of the rhetoric that Landry and his allies are using to um, to say things need to change. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the proposal that Landry's pushing to change the governance of the public defenders in the state? 
Yeah, this is kind of a sub an interesting subplot in this session. Um, something a lot of people didn't see coming. Landry proposes to bring oversight of the state's public defenders basically into his office under a handpicked appointee rather than a board where the which currently has oversight. Um, and, you know, makes decisions such as hiring and budgetary decisions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of a strange idea in general. And also given that Landry is very much a pro-prosecution governor, as we see from the rest of the session. Mm -hmm. And not surprisingly, it's raised a lot of questions and concerns. Um, they include whether there will be transparency if things, you know, decisions don't have to go before a public board, whether um, politics will be introduced to decisions obviously that you know public defenders make and also whether it violates the separation of powers between the executive branch and the legislative branch mm -hmm. um i should point out that the current state public defender who has clashed with the oversight board supports this bill how long will the session go will it go all the way to the end unclear it's scheduled to go another two weeks but they're again moving at a very quick pace Things could get bogged down later as opponents start to, you know, kind of get themselves together and as it goes further through the through the process. You know, the, the speed has actually raised some concerns, too, because, uh, you know, we're talking about major changes that will affect a lot of people's lives that may become law without all that much debate and consideration. And, you know, uh, one lockmaker this morning pointed out that, if there are legal challenges, sometimes, you know, the courts look to legislative intent and they look to the legislative debate to see what the legislator intended. And we're just not having a full debate. Mm -hmm. Steph, thanks for your time today. The, the Times Picayune, and the Advocates Editorial Director and Columnist, Stephanie Grace. Thank you. With grocery costs fluctuating, you may pour over your favorite store's weekly specials looking for savings, but not everyone has the time. Luckily, there's an app for that. It's called Thrivy, an e-commerce web app that compares products from nearly 30 stores and online grocery marketplaces across greater New Orleans. Joining us to talk about the app is Chenzo Corona, founder and CEO of Thrivy and entrepreneur-in-residence with Startup North Shore. Thanks for being here, Chenzo. Uh, thank you for having me, Bob. So where does the name come from? It's a little unusual. So Chenzo or Thrivy? Let's <laughs> <laughs> <just> do Thrivy. <laughs> so Thrivy comes from a portmanteau between Thrifty and Savvy. So we wanted the name for the app to really associate with how we want shoppers to feel uh, when they're using it. Thrifty and Savvy came to mind to create Thrivy because we want you to get affordable products and you, we want to empower you to be a smart shopper. Tell us a little bit about the app. What can you compare it to for better understanding? We like to broadcast ourselves as the kayak for grocery shopping. So we're a search engine. Uh, you can't check out in the app just yet, but we help you find the best prices on all of your local grocery products. I have friends who go to three and four different grocery stores on a shopping trip to find what they want at the price they want to pay. How can Thrivy help them? So we can automate that price for them. And before they spend all of that time going to multiple different grocery stores, and now however they uh, seek to plan that process, I know some people have their go-to stores for different products and they are wizards. Uh, we've basically created a digital copy of those super smart shoppers with Derby. So what that looks like is they can head into our app, build that shopping list of their favorite products. They build that same list at a couple of stores that they want to shop at. 
And then Thrivy puts it all right in front of you and says, hey, if you want to go into this store, this is where you can get the best price on these products. And you go to this store for these, or you get all of them, let's say, at Rouse's versus at Fresh Market or Winn-Dixie, whichever has the best prices and sales at that active time. And then if you want to go into the store, we say, hey, here's what the price is for that. If you want to get pickup or if you want to get it delivered, here's the fees that come along with that type of convenience at these different stores, because they all have different prices for those things. Where does the price and item information come from among these grocery stores? So what's on our website is the same price that you'll see on their websites. So right now we have pricing information for Rouse's, Whole Foods, and Fresh Market, looking to add Winn-Dixie and other local retailers like a Langensteins, like a Robert, Bromart. We take the same information that's present on their website. What's the reaction been to the app? It's been very positive so far. We just launched just a couple weeks ago, uh, February 1st, actually with our new revamped version of the app. Um, we have about 147 shoppers on the platform already. They love the interface. They love the experience of finding deals. You know, of course, in today's day and age, ever since inflation, which, you know, kind of taking it back to where this idea first started, grocery and food at home is so expensive nowadays. It's nearly double what it would have cost you just in 2019 alone. And for, you know, a family of four that's trying to provide quality and affordable products uh, when they cook their favorite recipes, it's really difficult nowadays. And so we hope to lessen that burden with Thrivy. It's been very positive. We know we have a lot to work on, um, but we're thankful for the users that have signed up so far. We're speaking with Chenzo Corona, founder and CEO of Thrivy, a grocery store app currently focused in Metro New Orleans. What does Thrivy cost? Thrivy is free right now. Uh, we will switch to a paid subscription model. So just a small $4.99 a month for unimpeded access to the platform, likely in March or April this year. So if you're listening in and you want to go to shopthrivy.com now, you can access the site totally for free. And when you pay $4.99 a month, we imagine that you can save 10% on every single shopping order. So that's about $15 every time you shop. Same you do that eight times a month, you know, that pays for itself the first time you shop with it. Chenzo, are there any plans to try to get these into the hands of people who can't afford but desperately need such a cost-saving app? Of course. We certainly want to serve our community here, especially in Southeast Louisiana and in Louisiana as a whole, where uh, food access to food and food insecurity and, and the disparity that exists for our community is happening at a much greater rate than it happens across the nation and across the world even. Over half of our households in Southeast Louisiana, it's 262,000 homes mm -hmm. are struggling to afford their grocery bills month in and month out, week in and week out. There are partnership opportunities with nonprofits that we're working through to try and put Thrivy in the hands uh, for free or at a very nominal cost. And when those things come together, they'll be able to find that on your website? Yes. You know, our social media pages, so Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook is kind of where we share all of our messaging. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Thrivy, so T-H-R-I-V-V-Y. We will certainly be sharing all of those news. You know, we have those preliminary discussions. I can't speak any specifics on those right now, but we're really, really excited about getting this tool in their hands and, and trying to make a difference for, you know, the households that mean the most. You know, I'm a Louisiana native, a New Orleans area native, grew up, born and raised here. And so... If our app can have just a small impact here, yeah, it'll be a success. I know you just mentioned that you had your relaunch February 1st. Are there plans to expand it to South Louisiana, regionally perhaps? 
Oh, of course. So like you mentioned, you know, we have started in kind of New Orleans metro area. I live here on the North Shore in Mandeville. We do have plans to expand into into Baton Rouge and into Lafayette and then kind of spread our wings, you know, throughout Louisiana specifically. Um, like I mentioned, we have Rouse's Whole Foods and Fresh Market right now. With some pretty simple steps on our end, you know, we can have the data for those stores in those regions in Baton Rouge and Lafayette pretty easily. So for us to expand into those markets, it's not too much of a burden for us. And if we get enough people with a lot of interest saying, hey, bring Thrivy to my hometown, you can sign up on our website. We have a little launch alerts is what we call it. If we don't have a store in your area right now, you can ping us, let us know where to come and we'll be in your neighborhood soon. Shifting gears a little bit, you went through the Idea Village, the New Orleans nonprofit that helps startup founders. Now you're an entrepreneur in residence with Startup North Shore. What is that and who can benefit from that? Sure. So I've, I've definitely been super grateful to be able to tap into a ton of fantastic resources for you know new entrepreneurs. I'm a first-time founder myself with Thrivy, uh, looking for support systems and you know, the Idea Village was a premier model for providing these resources and education and network and mentorship to local New Orleans-based startups. I learned a tremendous amount about what it took to start a business that, you know, I don't come from a business background and I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs necessarily. So I didn't know the first thing about it. I just felt like I had an idea to help uh, build an app. Getting connected through the Idea Village then got me connected to uh, St. Tammany Corporation. Uh, and my boss, Chris Massengill, is the CEO there. New Orleans and Baton Rouge and Lafayette have these great resources to support local small businesses and startups. What if we had something similar, you know, that covered St. Tammany, Washington, and Tangibahoa parishes, what we call the North Shore? The stars really aligned perfectly where I get to lead this great organization that, you know, does a lot of work. And any entrepreneur, any small business owner, anybody with an idea for a startup that they want to get moving and shaking on, we're totally industry agnostic and a lot of our resources are free. So the best way to do that is just to go to startupnorthshore.com. You'll find a lot about the program, the events that we run, the curriculum that we offer, the type of mentors that we have in our network. And you'll find my email and contact information on there and you'll connect with me. And I'll walk you through the process of starting a business, figuring out where you're at, and we can help you. Chenzo Corona, founder and CEO of Thrivy and entrepreneur in residence with Startup North Shore. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. The French Consulate General in Louisiana is the oldest French consulate in the United States, and it's the only one dedicated to a state. A new Consul General of France was seated in New Orleans this past fall, and he has been quite active since he arrived. Joining us is Rodolphe Sambou, French Consul General to Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Bonjour, and thank you for inviting me. What, what's the role of the French Consul? Well, uh, the first part of my role is uh, taking care of the security and the safety of the 2,000 uh, French uh, residents, French citizens re residing in uh, in uh, Louisiana, and the 80,000 tourists a year. Um, so taking care of their security and make sure uh, they know what to do in case of hurricane and uh, 
So basically that's the first part of my role. And the second part is the role of influence to try to promote culture, to promote French language, to promote uh, climate, to promote economic development and trying to make people invest in France, study in France and trying to convince them in, it's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. In revitalizing the French language in Louisiana, you recently visited Mamou Elementary, Ruston Elementary, and the first immersion school in Shreveport at Fairfield Elementary. What did you find during this visit? How are they doing? They're doing great. Uh, I mean, what really uh, struck me is that the staff uh, there appeared to be very convinced about the benefits of the, the French immersion. They, they are really going above and beyond to make sure that the teacher... Uh, can dedicate themselves uh, to their mission and increasing the number of students funding for their programs. What really struck me is the enthusiasm, the sheer enthusiasm they have in uh, seeing their uh, pupils, their students studying French and learning a new language and, uh, and their enthusiasm. That's really what struck me. What is the big picture goal of this immersion in the French language? So this French immersion program is, is doing uh, very great. We have uh, all over Louisiana 42 uh, immersion schools. We have 5,500 uh, students uh, in those French programs. We have uh, 150 teachers. And, and we really want students who complete the immersion school course to use French as a huge asset for their future career. It's a proven fact that companies are more inclined to hire people who speak another language. And beyond that, revitalizing the, the, the French language in Louisiana can open doors and at all levels, not only for education, but also for economy, for the cultural industry, and even politics. They can travel to many countries on the five continents, and, uh, and it opens them basically a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're speaking with Rodolphe Sambou, French Consul General to Louisiana. For the teaching of French, what is the status in the French language of the attempt at a non-binary pronoun? French has the uh, masculine and the feminine, and uh, the efforts in the last few years to find a non-binary set of pronouns in, in French, the use of the IEL in the language. Uh, what's the status of that? Well, I'm not sure it's uh, it's my role as a diplomat to 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 ponder uh, such a, such question. As you know, uh, French language is is a very very uh, diverse language, and it has shown uh, flexibility all over the years, over the the five continents where it's speaking. It will be it's spoken uh, by uh, seven hundred million people all over the world, and it has shown a lot of flexibility both in grammars and in lexical, and I'm sure uh, people will be deciding whether they use or not this pronoun, not uh, not the, the, the consul general. But uh, if your question is, uh, is equality uh, important and shall it be uh, reflected? Yes, for sure. And we are, we are being, uh, we, we, France is a very strong advocate of, of equality. Yes, of course. Besides the French language, you enumerated some of your top priorities for Louisiana. Is there any one that's especially close to your heart? 2024 is, is 
it's just a, a great year. We'll have the uh, the Olympic Games, so we are trying to develop some sports exchanges, and I'm a very uh, good sports fan, so I see that there are increasing links in, in rugby, for example. But there is also the very important and moving part of my job will be to accompany the 80th anniversary of the D-Day, and mm -hmm. I'm excited to announce that the Ambassador of France to the U.S. is coming next week to bestow the highest uh, French decoration, the Légion of Honor, to the famous um, New Orleans hatter Samuel Mayer, which was a French veteran during D-Day. And these are those moments uh, why I have chosen to be a, a diplomat, you know, to witness the, these connections between the, the past and the future and to, to live the, those moments. We also have plenty of uh, exchanges. We'll have the reopening of Notre Dame. We try to to develop the relations with the French Caribbean. We have plenty of uh, cultural exchanges, residence and artist program of the Villa Albertine. So priorities are multiple, but if you want me only to pick up some, that th these are the ones I, I've chosen. Is there anything more that can be done to further cultivate the sister city relationship between Orléans and New Orleans? Those twinning agreements, there, there are many, many twinning agreements. There is one obvious between Orleans and New Orleans, both for the names, for carnival, for celebrations, for uh, for Joan of Arc, for the figure of, of Joan of Arc. But uh, like now in my daughter's school, there are some uh, students from Orleans uh, coming to New Orleans and having sheer exchanges like it's a people to people connections and that's what it is about and i want those sister agreements all over louisiana uh, to continue because it's not me deciding that there will be a corporation it's just people to people deciding to do things together and that's what all those sister agreements are all about and i think that's when we really find people have more in common than not when they actually get to meet each other and begin to understand each other Exactly. That's the universality of, of those connections that I really love and appreciate. Were there any surprises when you first came to New Orleans? We are a few few days away from uh, Mardi Gras, which was an incredible and exhausting experience. It was my first one. I was very excited. But what really, really struck me since, since I'm here is that people are so welcoming and warm and they all have a, a special connection to France, either because they've been there as a tourist or because they have ancestors uh, and they, they want to revitalize the, the French language and, and they, they put their kids in, the, in French immersion schools. But And this culture of sharing, of this strong identity and this this warmth, that's really what, uh, what really struck me and why I'm delighted to be here and to, to discover uh, not only New Orleans, but all uh, Louisiana and its diversity. Over my, my uh, diplomatic career, you arrive in a country and people are not always uh, welcoming or smiling. They're a bit reluctant here. What you, you receive is a, a very strong sense of uh, there is a connection between France and New Orleans, France and Louisiana. They want to share it and they, they will of sharing this experience, which makes this very, very special connection. You mentioned this universality and mentioned how much we share in common. And that's exactly what I really, really, that's the part I really love about living in New Orleans. Rodolphe Sambou, French Consul General to Louisiana. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much.
From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. Thanks to our guests, the Times-Picayune, the Advocate's editorial director and columnist, Stephanie Grace, Chenzo Corona, founder and CEO of Thrivy, and Rodolphe Sambou, Council General of the French Republic. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our assistant producer, Aubrey Procell. Our engineer, Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at Rouse's.com with additional support from Southern Strategy Group.